man, there's still that weird background sound. I had two weeks. I didn't do an episode last week, and I had two weeks to get new cables, and I forgot about it right now until we hit record. And I forgot that there's that little weird sound. Hold on. The fan is on, too. Let me see. Okay, it is pretty quiet. That's a lot better. I'm just going to sweat it out because that's what I do for you. I sweat it out out here. Um, as usual, make sure that you follow us online, like us, rate us, whatever it is. If you like it, give it five stars. If you hate it, give it one star. I don't give a shit. Be it Apple, Spotify, MySpace, or Grinder. Get any of your friends involved that you think might enjoy this if they if they fit in on our minor league team. Anyways, this is uh, episode number Who Gives a Shit of the Valley Boys. I am your host, Dave Weasel. Let's get this over with. All right. Birthdays. I am birthdayed out. It's everyone's birthday in late September, including my own, all the way through October. Could people please stop fucking and sucking around Christmas through New Year's so that there are fewer birthdays around this time, okay? I just had to spend yet another weekend at an Airbnb on the outskirts of LA, you know? And the neighborhoods, the neighbor, the neighbors we had, they had trucks on cinder blocks type of thing, you know, right in the yard. And they're blasting mariachi music all through the night, like comically loud. They got dogs barking they're hollering at the guys are hollering at every woman that walked by now i'm not trying to be rude but it's like an ai image generator came up with this stereotype in one picture you can't even believe it's happening and this sounds like the kind of music a cartoon cat chases a mouse to but the the neighbors they loved it you know and they wanted us all to enjoy it too so that's the thing if we're friends and you have a birthday i'm not gonna acknowledge it for a little while all right you tell me oh it's my birthday i'll go no it isn't the good news is uh, you're just going to be the same age you are right now to me forever. I'm done with that. And see, that's the weird thing with having a September birthday when you move around a lot as a kid. You know, it's always uh, brand new friends I barely know and just met. And in grade 11, I moved to a new school. And the first friend I made right away, who ended up uh, becoming my best friend, was kind of the popular guy. But not like, you know, captain of the hockey team popular. More like lead role in the school play but still cool if that even exists kind of popular whatever so I go over to his house one day for the first time and he asks me if I like anyone yet you know if I got a crush on anyone and I go oh yeah Jody or whatever and he's like oh cool I've known her since kindergarten and he picks up the phone and calls her and I'm like what the fuck are you doing but of course he's got some evil plans this isn't a romantic comedy her mom picks up and this kid says Hello, this is the Sudbury police. Your daughter was caught shoplifting some jank jewelry at Walmart. He's British, apparently. I don't know. He's like, we're going to let her go, but maybe reevaluate your parenting style. And the woman's just like, oh, my God. Okay, thank you. And then he hangs up, and I just go, what did you do that for? And he goes, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. So he calls back, you know, in his normal voice. And he's like, hey, it's me. Is Jody there? And the mom's like, did you just call here? And he goes, no. The mom's like, well, we don't know where she is, but we're waiting for her. And that's it. We're waiting as if Jody is some kind of family fugitive now. My friend looks at me and he's like, okay, maybe I shouldn't have done that or called back. And I'm thinking, yeah, dude, that's like robbing a bank and then wondering if you should have worn a mask. But he was like that, into the mischief, you know? We both were. But he had the internet in his room. That's how long ago that was when this was a luxury. This was back when you had one family computer in the living room that everybody in the house shared. So no matter what you were looking at, everybody could see it. You know, if you're trying to see them titties... One pixel at a time coming down the screen as it loads. Everybody in the house could see it. But he had he had the internet in his room. It wasn't common back then, especially in Canada. We're kind of behind on that a little bit. Um, I guess his parents trusted him or they didn't. They just didn't know. But it wasn't exactly on a computer. It was with his Sega Dreamcast, which had an internet browser on it. That was ahead of its time. And it's not like 
you know, he was some innocent little lamb, his parent, but his parents thought he was. He knew about these chat rooms, the kind that you hear about where creeps are lurking around looking exactly for teenage boys like us. You know, but in our case, he's the weird one. He's like, let's go into a lesbian chat room. And he types in the username Titty Titters. Okay, that's the kind of guy he is. Titty Titters in a lesbian chat room. And he goes in and he goes, who wants to scissor? And then all of the replies are like, get out of here, you man. He showed me some of the, some, some weird websites. Okay, now this was back when they were on individual websites, you know. You had to know the specific name of the site to get to it. You couldn't get to it for with a search engine. There wasn't just one hub for everything like it is now. This was, that was, uh, to this day, it was the most mortifying shit I've ever heard of. And, and emphasis on shit. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But I learned a lot about humanity. And even him. Because one of these sites was a gay site. And when it, when it popped off, he, uh, uh, he, he just shut off the computer and he goes, let's go do something else. Now, I knew exactly what happened. Found out he was gay. He thought maybe I didn't know, and I pretended I didn't see it. Now, even as my best friend, knowing he was gay was something I kept to kept to myself. I didn't care. You know, he had images of naked men uh, butt-fucking each other, but he didn't feel comfortable telling me that he was gay, and I didn't want to embarrass him, especially the way that I found out. Um, and I certainly wasn't going to tell anybody else because this is right at the Y2K mark, you know? And in rural Canada, I didn't know a single gay person my age. I never, I didn't know a single gay person my age until I went to college and uh, I took a theater class and then I knew like 60 gay people, but not up to that point and certainly not in high school. So I kept my mouth shut. Years later, I told him that exact story and he kind of laughed it off and he said, thanks for not spilling the beans. Man, a Sega Dreamcast, dude. Internet browser. What were they thinking? That whole thing was kind of a joke though. It was, it came after the Sega Genesis. You know, when you were a kid back in the day, at least where I'm from, your family either had a Super Nintendo or a Sega Genesis. And that defined who you were as a person for the rest of your life. Because those Sega kids were weird. Now, let's get this straight. If you grew up playing Super Nintendo, you, my friend, are a person of taste. You're basically the kid who chose a fine wine while the Sega kids are chugging grape soda, asking why it doesn't give them the same buzz. Super Nintendo was a pinnacle of grace and dignity in pixel form. You got Mario, who's essentially... A plumber with the ethics of Gandhi and the athleticism of an Olympic gymnast. A man who could fix your sink and save a kingdom. And what does Sega have? Sonic the Hedgehog. A blue shit rodent with a, with a cocaine problem and an attitude. Racing through hoops like, like some kind of Wall Street executive looking for coins with an Adderall addiction. You learn nothing from Sonic except that if you run fast enough, your problems blur into the background. A lesson that, let me tell you, does not apply to student loans or relationship issues. And then the controllers, man. The Super Nintendo had the uh, the best one that made your hands feel like they were holding this holy grail but shaped like a, like a rounded rectangle. It was natural, you know, like shaking hands with destiny. Sega's controller is essentially a boomerang-shaped object with three buttons. As if they ran out of ideas and budget. It felt like shaking hands with a wet fish. And the games, man. The games. Super Nintendo. We had we had Zelda. Tale of a young man going on an epic quest. You know? A Joseph Campbell hero's journey, but with, with swords and rupees. Sega had Echo the Dolphin. A shit dolphin. If your grand adventure is swimming through rings as a, as a marine mammal, I dare say your quest needs a new quest giver. So... 
When you meet someone and they grew up with Super Nintendo, you're meeting someone who is raised on a diet of high art and cultural enrichment. And if they say they're a Sega kid, well, it's like finding out someone was raised by wolves. It's interesting, but keep your distance and keep your eye on your wallet. That's how you made friends, you know? You could be playing road hockey and some kid comes up and asks to play and you go, well, that depends. Do you have a Super Nintendo or Sega? If they say Super Nintendo, you go, cool, grab a stick, you're a net. But if he says Sega, you tell him to kick rocks. Sega kids are not welcome around here. But if the kid says he has both, you say, okay, cool, we're just going to your house because you're rich and got all the cool shit. And that's exactly the kids who had both Sega and Super Nintendo. You want to know where they are now? They're in jail for insider trading. You know we're all trying to be happy, right? But you know who else wants to be happy? My kitty cat. And when my cat's happy, I'm over the moon. But here's the thing. I'm not Dr. Doolittle. I can't just look into my cat's eyes and know its cholesterol level. That's why I started using Pretty Litter, which is basically like the FBI profiler of cat litter. First off, this stuff traps odor like it's capturing a fugitive. Seriously, it eliminates that feline funk faster than you could say, why does my entire apartment smell like a litter box? That's the thing that's remarkable about Pretty Litter compared to conventional litter is that it's not just a place for your cat to do its business, it's like a diagnostic tool. Imagine if WebMD were something you could pee on. That's Pretty Litter. Also, this stuff is cleaner than a white couch in a detergent commercial. It's super light, so it doesn't kick up dust or make a mess. And you know those bags of litter that weigh as much as a small car? Pretty Litter is not like that. This stuff is as light as a feather and lasts for a month. That means less scooping and more time for activities, like asking my cat what's wrong while it stares blankly at me. But okay, the coolest feature is like something out of a sci-fi movie. Pretty Litter changes colors to indicate potential health issues with your feline friend. If your cat has something going on like a urinary tract infection or kidney issues, the litter turns into a magical rainbow of warning colors. That gives me such peace of mind. It's like having a veterinarian living in my litter box. Finally, because going to the store is a hassle, and let's be honest, carrying a bag of litter back from the store makes you feel like a gladiator, Pretty Litter ships free to your door. No more heavy lifting, no more giant containers taking up half the living room. So why not make both you and your cat happier with Pretty Litter? Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash valleyboys and use code valleyboys to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash valleyboys, code valleyboys to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash valleyboys, code valleyboys. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So, fall is upon us, and you know what that means. Pumpkin spice lattes, colorful leaves, and for me, an overwhelming urge to not cook. I mean, really, who has time to cook when you're already wrapped up in a knit scarf of obligations? That's why I've been chowing down on Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, and I kid you not, it's like having a personal chef who also happens to be a dietitian but without the awkwardness of having someone in your kitchen judging your fridge contents. Now, imagine a world where you could skip the soul-crushing experience of going to the grocery store and the relentless chopping of vegetables that don't even have the decency to chop themselves. Well, that's Factor. Their meals aren't just fresh. They're like first day of fall fresh, never frozen, and ready to eat in two minutes. I mean, two minutes? That's less time than it takes for me to find my keys. And oh, the choices. There are over 35 meals you can pick from each week, so you're not stuck in some tragic Groundhog Day scenario eating the same thing over and over. 
Now I can hear you say, but Dave, it's fall. I need my seasonal flavors. Well, don't worry. Factors got you covered. You can enjoy autumn in your mouth with their fall flavors like cranberry pecan chicken and apple Dijon pork chops. I repeat, apple Dijon pork chops. And if you want to treat yourself, which let's be honest, you should, they have these gourmet plus options that are so upscale they practically wear a little top hat. We're talking broccolini and truffle butter. Truffle butter. Now, for those of us too busy to even think about what lunch means, they have lunch to go. These are meals you can eat while pretending to work from your laptop in a coffee shop. Plus, they offer calorie smart meals for those who count calories instead of sheep and protein plus meals to make your muscles feel like they're on a protein rom-com. Oh, and don't forget the snacks and drinks. They have so many add-ons that it... It's like, a, it's like a special feature sec selection of a deluxe DVD. The pancakes, check. Cold-pressed juices, double-check. Now, the best part? Factor also cares about Mother Earth. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions and use rene renewable electricity. So, go ahead and live your best fall life without the burden of cooking or cleaning. Get Factor. Choose your meals and wait for the ding of your microwave to announce that culinary excellence has arrived at your doorstep in just two minutes. How's that for a modern-day miracle? Head to factormeals.com slash valleyboys50 and use code valleyboys50 to get 50% off. That's code valleyboys50 at factormeals.com slash valleyboys50 to get 50% off. Man, what else? Oh, my dad forwarded me, um, my dad forwarded me an email with a coupon for half off the 23andMe test kit. No, thank you. I know where I came from, Dad. Unfortunately, I know too much. Now, 23andMe, it's just a rabbit hole of self-discovery I didn't ask for. It's like a reality show that takes place in your saliva. People spit in a tube and then wait six weeks to find out that they're boring. 23andMe serves, uh, um, it does serve a major cultural purpose. It has this amazing way of disappointing every white girl who wore a turquoise necklace to Coachella because she's always said, oh, well, I'm like one-eighth Cherokee. It's like, you know, uh, 23andMe is like the Murray Povich of genetic testing. It's like, okay, when it comes to being 116th Cherokee, you are not the relative. And you know, somewhere there's a council of Native Americans watching the results being like, oh, thank God she's not one of us. And then they dance around like the non-fathers on the show, you know? So people love drama, right? But when it's about your heritage, the stakes are suddenly higher. You know, somewhere there's a white girl named Brittany or Courtney or whatever the fuck who's already written her college admissions essay about her deep, rich Native American heritage and how it's made her the person she is today, right? Well, all of her first dates, too. She's like, well, I'm part French, I'm part German, and I'm part Native American. That's why I like hiking so much. And then 23andMe comes along and goes, oh, nope, you are 100% Western European. You're whiter than the bench in the NBA. Your people's greatest hardship was deciding between cable knit and cashmere. And her dad's like, listen, Brittany or Courtney or whatever the fuck, your grandpa was married to a Native American woman, sure. But this was like, th they were married for like four months and it was well after he already had kids. So you are not Native American. You're basically a pumpkin spice latte in human form. And Brittany or Courtney or whatever the fuck is like, no, dad, I refuse to believe it. I am interesting. I am oppressed. <laughs> and what do you even do with this newfound knowledge? You just, you just go around annoying your friends at parties. That's it. It's like, oh, did you know that I'm 3% Scandinavian? Mm, that's probably why I love Ikea so much. Who cares? So no, Dad, Papa Weasel, I will not take the 23andMe test. I don't need a pie chart to tell me that I'm white and disappointing. 
I have family reunions for that. Besides, the closest, the closest I want to get to finding out about my ancestors is asking you why we can't hold our liquor and why I do podcast ads like I'm trying to sell peanuts at a 1920s baseball game. I mean, I don't want to get all tinfoil hatty here, but I also don't want my DNA on a private database, you know? I don't, I don't, I don't have anything to hide or anything, but it's, it just doesn't sit well with me. If I did take that test, I'd probably use a fake name, you know? They'd see a Cletus Jeebus in California on that Canadian family tree and go, what the fuck? Did old man Weasel go down there with, uh, I don't know, Brian Adams to California and birth one out? <laughs> nah, they'd 100% know it's me. They wouldn't get mad or anything, just disappointed, as usual. Hmm, what else? Oh, so I, I, I watched that movie, Old Dads with Bill Burr. I love me some Bill Burr. He's an angry little woodpecker just beaking about society's pitfalls. And this movie is very much a reflection of his comedy, but with, a, with an entire plot line and, and better lighting. Um, I think Bill Burr, I, th- I think he was the first guy to talk about cancel culture on a Netflix special. And now every comedian is doing it, you know? They're all up there going like, oh, I'm so censored as Netflix trucks back up to their houses with bags full of money. Now, I'm not criticizing it. I'm just saying Bill Burr was the first and best to do it. Anyways, the movie is good. Just go watch it. Uh, it's about this crotchety old dude navigating life um, with a young son and a pregnant wife. Now, I don't want to spill too much, but if uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you like comedy and you've probably already seen it anyway. But um, my issue with the movie isn't the movie itself. It's It's with the review by some lady who clearly doesn't get it, you know? She's all, she wrote this negative review. She's all riled up about how, uh, how women are portrayed in the movie, yet she's embodying the very stereotype she's mad about. It would be like me trying to combat Canadian stereotypes by slapshotting hockey pucks at people. You know, it's going to miss the mark. And she asks, um, why is there another movie about men? Listen, Hollywood didn't make this movie. Bill Burr did. He wrote it, directed it, produced it, starred in it, probably brewed the coffee on set. And it's from his perspective. He made the movie himself. If you want a movie about old moms, do what he did and make one yourself. And the funny thing is he he does show um, some white male stereotypes too. Not the storm the Capitol one, but the, the cancel culture and be mad at 23andMe results ones. You know, the ones that are mad that they're not oppressed. And for the record about the old moms, and I say this respectfully, but the actress playing his pregnant wife is 45. Okay. That's as old mom to a newborn baby as it gets. If they made the movie about that, the kid would be in the same hospital he was delivered in until he graduates high school. Also, did you, did you only watch the first act of it? There's a lot of very good character development. Again, I don't want to give away too much about the movie, but did you not see the part where he looks at the old guy from Big Love and thinks, oh man, that's how I look like to other people. I don't want to be like that. And then he embraces the change, which is what the whole movie's about. You know, a jaded older guy in an uh, ever-changing world, and he slowly uh, gets on board with it. There's a beginning, a middle, and the end, and it's like the review focused solely on the beginning part, but whatever. It's the Streisand effect. All you're doing is bringing more eyeballs to it. You've brought the movie more viewers by trashing it than you deferred. And I know when people make um, entire articles criticizing art, they think that they're doing it in an echo chamber where everyone's just going to agree with them and everyone's jerking dicks. The reality is you've got um, only a handful of types of reactions to it. Okay, first are the people that see the headline and go, oh shit, Bill Burr has a movie out? I'm going to go see it. I love that guy. There you go, free advertising. Next are people that they're going to read the rage bait, 
But then they're going to go, hmm, you know, this movie seems pretty good. I think I'll give it a shot. And then and then you got the crotchety group, the ones that will go hate watch it. You know, they just want to go and watch uh, Bill Burr cuss and say the C word to get mad and be angry. But whatever, it's all clicks on his movie. You put it all together. You're helping it become the number one movie on Netflix, especially in a post strike era when he can't promote it properly. So good job, lady. Now, oh, fuck. I'm getting a t who's texting. Me? Oh, OK. It's Uber Eats reminding me that I'm fat. See, I silence text when I do podcasts because I do try to have a modicum of respect for you. But I still get Uber Eats notifications reminding me that I'm fat. I guess that's the level level of obesity that I'm at where they have me on speed dial. You know, they just all all it is is it just reminds me that it exists. They're not even offering a deal. They're just like, hey, hey, fatty, open the app and order something. Because they know I will. All right. What else? Oh, I've been cutting my own hair again. Uh, sort of. It's the eternal struggle between I could totally do this. And, oh, God, what have I done? It's like the Russian roulette of grooming. Okay, I started this back in high school because, you know, who's got time or the inclination to see a professional when your hair starts doing the, the thing where it just flaps out like bat wings from under your cap, but otherwise it looks fine. So what I do um, is I just grab the beard trimmer while I'm doing that, and I give myself a little snip snip on the sides just to, just to keep from looking like I crawled out of a dumpster. But one time, and this is going back to high school days when I was on the Sega Dreamcast Man, I went too far. I'm talking mowing the lawn and accidentally hitting a sprinkler too far, okay? I had to end up shaving the whole sides and back of my head and leaving just this sad tuft of hair on top like it was the last shred of dignity of this bad choice. Now, of course, you're thinking, why don't I just go to a barber? Well, that's how small my town was. Our barber was also the town's drug dealer. Guy was multitasking his way right into the county jail at that time. So there I was, stuck with a haircut that looked like I had done it myself, because I did, but in the dark while riding a roller coaster. You know, I looked like a, a jarhead that lost a fight with a lawnmower. That was in Chelmsford, Ontario, where everyone else, everybody is there because their parents grew up there, and their parents did, because they bought a house for $300 and two goats when they opened the mine. Nothing really gets in or out. Except some people do the year abroad when they move to the big city of Sudbury, Ontario for a year. All right, is that it? All right, we're going to cut it off there. Um, make sure you follow us online. We are at Valley Boys Pod on Twitter, at Valley Boys Podcast on Instagram. I am at Dave Weasel across the board. I did not buy, buy my blue check mark. I have to point that out every time because that's fucking lame. We are on TikTok at Valley Boys Podcast for some reason. I don't, I don't know. Um... Oh, about the name change, a few of you have asked me and tried to speculate. Yes, we are going to be changing the name when we switch platforms. That's going to happen, but I'm not going to tell you what it is because one of you little jagoffs is going to go and take the name, and then that's going to be that. So I'm keeping tight-lipped about it. You can keep guessing, though, but you're not going to get it. All right, from Newport Beach, California, by way of Reseda, California, by way of Chelmsford, Ontario, this is the Valley Boys. Good night.